Has it been good to be in God's house so far this morning? Say amen. Amen. Well, I think one or two of you were excited to be here. How about the rest of you? It's been good to be in God's house so far. Say amen. Amen. There we go. Wonderful. Excited. I've got a blessing. If nothing else, I was blessed watching uh, little Fisher get baptized. Wasn't that a blessing? Praise the Lord. And I know that uh, we have some more young people as well that uh, we're praying for God to work in their hearts. My youngest, Molly, um, as well, we're praying for her to get saved. And I'll be honest with you, we come home after he got saved Monday night. And uh, Maggie was all excited. She was tickled over Fisher. And Molly was mad. And we thought, why in the world? What's going on? She said, when's it ever going to be my turn? So she was more jealous than anything. And we were just excited over that. But uh, we'll continue praying for her and some of our other young ones that they will give their hearts to Christ as well. Well, if you have your Bibles, let's turn to Micah, the book of Micah, chapter 7. Micah, chapter 7. It is one of the minor prophets there towards the end of the Old Testament. I know it's not a passage you are used to going to, but Micah chapter 7, and I want to read two verses, verse number 7 and verse number 8. I want to preach on the thought of being an overcomer this morning. Um, The truth is we are celebrating and our first responders today, and we want to continue to do that, but as believers, as followers of Jesus Christ, we too are to be first responders and that we are to be a lifeline for those who are perishing without Jesus Christ. We are to be the ones who will go and to reach out to them with the good news, the gospel of Christ, and, and let them know that there is hope for those who are dying without him. In Micah chapter 7, verse number 7 and 8, I'll read two verses and then we'll pray. The Bible is, therefore, I look uh, to the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. Do not rejoice over me, mine enemy. When I fall, I will arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light to me. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, God, we ask that for the next few moments, Lord, you might speak to our hearts. God, we ask that you may give us what we stand in need of. And uh, Lord, I pray that although there are plans for tonight, the fall festival, Lord, there's much going on. Yet, God, may you still our, our minds and our souls for just a few minutes. God, that we might open up our hearts to heaven. Lord, may you fill us with what we need. And Lord, we'll thank you and we'll praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This morning, we will face many things in life that are beyond our control. At some point, every one of us will face things in life that we don't understand or that maybe will make us feel ostracized, isolated, and uh, lonely. Have you ever felt alone like no one really understood what you're going through? Or maybe you have felt like no one even cares what you're going through. There are times where life can throw such hardships at us that the way seems impossible and death and destruction seem certain and without uh, any hope of help. 
In June and July of 2018, a junior association football team and their assistant coach um, were stranded and ultimately rescued from the Tham Luang Nong Non Cave in Chiang Rai Province in northern Thailand. If you kept up with the news, you're probably familiar with this story. Twelve members of the soccer team aged 11 to 16 and their 25-year-old assistant coach entered into the cave on the 23rd of June after a uh, football practice session. Shortly thereafter, heavy rainfall partially flooded the cave system and blocking their their way out, trapping them deep within these cave systems. It didn't take long for the media to pick up on this, and a massive rescue endeavor took place. And for the following uh, 10 or 11 days, the world silently watched, prayed, and as they could, helped. In fact, this quickly developed into one of the largest rescue, joint rescue missions in history. The United States, the United Kingdom, of course, the Thais, Australians, China, Laos, Japan, Myanmar, Israel, Belgium, and others all pitched in from around the world trying to rescue these 13 individuals who were trapped miles within inside of this cave system. It said that the water was pitch black. There was a mountain that, ex- that ex- uh, went up over 3,000 feet above these caves, and with the torrential rainfall they had as they went in, there was a flash flood from all the rain seeping through the rocks that rose and created strong currents so far that they were trapped miles within with multiple rivers that they would have to crow through underneath to get to escape. They were trapped there without any hope. No one knew exactly their location. Of course, they had no phone service, no signal. They had abandoned their food trying to escape to get to a high spot within the caves where they would not drown. And there they sat in the pitch black of these caverns, stranded with no hope. Here we find in Micah that the Bible says that God will hear us. We find here that the Bible says it really gives us a couple of duties that we have when we face those trials in life. And maybe you're sitting here today in a pew next to someone that you came with and you're sitting in a lighted sanctuary this morning. But the truth is inside your own heart, you may be sitting in the darkness of a cave in a cavern thinking that no one sees you or hears you. In verse number 7, the Bible says, therefore, I will look to the Lord. I said there is a few, uh, uh, two different duties for those who are struggling that we must, uh, we must do of our own uh, nature that we must do. The first is we must look to the Lord. The Bible says, I will look to the Lord. Uh, why must we look? The assistant coach, uh, Chanthawong, and the boys went missing And there they sit in the darkness of the cave. They had nothing. The rainfall had entered, and they abandoned all their food, and the only water they had for all these days was the water that was seeping through the the walls of the cave. 
Fortunately, the rocks was porous as the water seeped in, and it provided enough air that they were able to continue to breathe. On that day, around 7 p.m., head coach, uh, who was not with them, he had checked his phone, finding about 20 missed calls from parents who were saying, where are our students at? They never came back from ball practice. He finally got a hold of a 13-year-old boy, Songpon, who had uh, been picked up from practice, and as he had got home, he began to say that, listen, uh, the other boys went off and told them they went to the caves. The coach raced to the caves and finding an abandoned bicycles and bags near the entrance uh, and with water seeping out of the muddy pathway, he knew something had went wrong. They began to look. Others had to look. Those within the cave could not do anything. They looked, but there was nowhere to go. Yet we find here that others began to look, and the coach began to look, and the, the, a, a, after they brought in uh, their, um, the specialists there, they brought in divers from around the world who, who specialized in cave diving and, and water, and the divers began the treacherous task of searching for the boys. After diving through miles of pitch black water and swimming against strong currents, they finally reached the caves where the boys were in. It said that the currents for the most experienced cave divers in the world, it took them six hours to swim to get to where these boys were. And with the currents, it took five hours to get out. They had went through cave one, little dry area, then back in the waters. Come out to cave two where they could look and there was nobody there and back into the waters. For days they would go through trying to locate these boys and finally they came to cave three and when they got to cave three there was still nothing but they knew they were getting close and so they went back in the waters and after several days they came to the final cavern where the boys were found. When they came up into the caverns, they said they smelled a, a, a strong stench that was so repugnant that they knew that they were smelling that of deceased bodies. Yet as they began to shine their light around, they came across one of the boys. And all of a sudden, all of the group began to come into view and they said, how many of you are there? And they said, there's 13. They were all there, and they were all alive. Stanton, who is a U.K. firefighter, who was one of the cave divers, he was there. And if you watch the video footage, and you can see it, it's very interesting. There's a couple-hour documentary that shows actual footage of it. And on that uh, video, you can, um, you can hear him saying, Believe. Believe. As he saw the boys there. Later on, it was clarified that he said, I was not telling the boys to believe. I was trying to tell myself that this is real. Believe the boys are here and they're alive. The search is paid off and the boys are found. Numbers chapter 21, verses 7 and 8, the Bible says, Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray the Lord that he... Take away the serpent from us. So Moses prayed for the people. You find that the children of Israel had sinned against God and God had sent snakes. They were, being, uh, they were dying from snake bites. The Bible says in verse number 8, Then the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole. And it shall be that whosoever or everyone who is bitten, when he looks at it, shall live. 
there was a demand that they must look to the serpent um, to live. And if you know paramedics, their, their symbol today still is the, the, the pole with the serpent around it in memory of this passage of Scripture. That it was when they look upon the snake, they might, uh, the, the serpent upon the staff, that they would live. But they must look to it before they would find life. In Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse number 29, the Bible says, But from there you will seek the Lord your God, and you will find him, if you seek him, with all your heart and with all your soul. I want you to know that when there comes a place in your life where it seems like there is no hope, there is no rescue, there is no anything that would cause you to retain your spirit within you, to keep looking for Jesus Christ, keep looking for him, keep turning your eyes towards Calvary, towards God. And in that moment, the Bible says that if we seek him with all our hearts and with all our souls, that we will find the Lord. It does not matter where we are. It does not matter how deep we might be in the, in the darkness of the caves of our life. It does not matter the severity of the moment or the second that we're in. Jesus Christ sees all and knows all. It does not matter where you are or where you can be. There is nowhere that is beyond the eyes of the Lord Jesus Christ. We must keep looking for him. It says, therefore, I will look to the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. We must look for God, but then there are also times where we must wait. We must wait. For about 17 days, the rescuers attempted to locate these boys and to after they found them, they had to come up with a game plan, a plan that would work in such a dangerous environment. The rescue effort involved more than 10,000 people to try to get these 13 young men out. and included more than 1,000 divers, scores of rescue workers, representatives from about 100 government agencies, 900 police officers, and 2,000 soldiers, 10 police helicopters, seven ambulances, and more than 700 diving cylinders that would have to be taken from one chamber to the next, to the next stage as they were preparing to rescue these boys. All in all, they, were, uh, they set up pumps to try to pump some of the water out to lower the water just enough in those caves to make it possible and in the end they removed more than a billion liters of water or enough equivalent to fill up 400 olympic sized swimming pools during this time all 13 of the individuals that were trapped in that cave could do nothing but wait. They had no working phone. They had ditched their rations. They had no possible route to travel. Waiting was their biggest enemy. And yet it was their dearest friend. It's amazing when the divers found them they said that they were actually in remarkably good spirits. 
Psalms chapter 27, verse number 14, the Bible says, Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. There are many times in life where waiting on God is the most arduous of tasks. Yet we are commanded to wait patiently and in faith and to be of good courage. We must wait on the Lord. And Mikey says, I will wait for the God of my salvation. Why? Because my God will hear me. We must wait upon the Lord. And Christian, what I'm trying to tell you today is, you say, Pastor, you don't know what I'm going through. You don't know where I've been. You don't know the burden that's upon my heart. I've been here in the darkness of my own mind for so long. It seems like there's no hope. What do I do, preacher? I want to tell you that what you do is you keep waiting upon the Lord with the assurance, although you might not see him although it may seem like there is no way for you to move forward I want you to know that God sees all he hears all and he knows all and he is able and willing to deliver us when he's ready wait on the Lord be of good courage remain faithful keep saying God I will trust in you when the way seems dark and dreary when it seems like there's no hope when it seems like there's no escape when it seems like there's no right answer Lord I'm gonna wait on you when it seems like no matter what decision you make the outcome is going to be bad have you ever been in a no-win situation Wait on the Lord. We must wait. That is the duties for those who would follow Christ, but we also see that there is a promise for those who seek God. It says, my God will hear me. We have the assurance that we know that God will hear us when we pray. And it does not matter. We may not have cell phone service. They didn't have any service that could reach out from the caves they were in. But it did not matter. Wherever we are, there was someone else who came and found them. And you say, preacher, I don't feel like I can pray. Just pray anyways. You say, pastor, I don't know if it's doing any good in my life. What do I do? Keep praying. Keep pouring your heart out to God. Because God will hear you your prayers he cares for you you will be heard but then he says watch this in verse number eight he says do not rejoice over me my enemy when I fall I will arise we will be heard but we will arise. You say, Pastor, it seems like this is the end. It seems like I can't go forward. It seems like I've gotten knocked down one too many times. This is the end. Just keep waiting on God. Just keep looking to God where your help comes from. And he says that when I fall, I will arise. Why? Because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I will arise. It says, watch this, when I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light to me. Jesus will be our light. When the divers first left the boys, when they first had to leave the cave, the fourth cave, to go back and to inform the world that the 
all these young men were still alive. They left them with two things. They left them with hope that someone knew where they were at. And they left them not with food, but with flashlights. Some way to be able to see in the darkness. Although it was just a sliver of light in the dark cavern. And no doubt it did not light up the fullness of that cavern. What it did do was give them hope that someone knew. And the little light they had now before long with, with great hope would develop into the light of the sun. That they may see the light of day once again. Between 8th and 10th of July, all 12 boys in their coach were rescued from their cave by an international team of divers. Watch this. The news article that, re- a news article from, that reported it from the BBC said, After nine days in darkness, the wild boars once again saw light. They saw light. I know that some days it seems like there's no light in your life. There may be moments in trials you face where all along it just seems like there's no hope. Hebrews tells us that God loves and cares for us. John 8, 12, then Jesus spoke to them again saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Hebrews 4.15 says, For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Jesus knows and he cares for you. I'm going to close with this. Saman Kunan, a 37-year-old royal Thai Navy SEAL, died of asphyxiation during an attempt at a rescue on July 6, while returning to a staging base in the cave and delivering oxygen tanks, he was trapped and died. The following year, in December 2019, a rescue diver, Beirut Pakbara, died of a blood infection that he got during the operation. This is a reminder that although we have life, we are saved sometimes it cost. I pray that that is never a cost that's had to be paid by any of our local first responders. But it is a price that was paid by Jesus Christ. He died, he gave his life that we might have life. That we might see him as the light of our world. So to our first responders, I say thank you. But to Jesus, I also say thank you, for he is our hope. John 15, 13 says, Greater love hath no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. We can be overcomers because he overcame. Our victory is found at the feet of Jesus. This morning I'll close. But I wonder... Is there one here today who, despite the smile that's on the outside, 
is living in the darkness of the deepest cavern on the inside. Have you gave up hope? Have you felt like no one cared for you? I want you to know, keep looking for Jesus. He sees where you're at, even though the way might seem impossible. He sees and he cares for you. And he says if you'd cast all your care upon him, his burden easy, his yoke is light, he cares for you. Every head bowed and every eye closed. This morning, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're facing in your heart. I, I have no way of knowing what battle you're facing mentally, emotionally, spiritually, financially. I don't know. But I know this much. Jesus Christ sees. He hasn't forgot you. He cares. And all he says is, keep looking for me. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of this world will go strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. This morning, if you're here, and you might say, Pastor Ellis, I'll be honest with you, if I were to die right now, I don't know that I would go to heaven. Preacher, I'm not sure I'd go to heaven. I want to know, but I'm not sure. Would you, would you slip your hand up, say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to know that I'd go to heaven, but Pastor, I don't have that assurance. Would you slip your hand up and back down? I won't embarrass you, but I'll pray for you. Is there one? And I wonder this morning if there's one here who would say, Pastor, I know that I'm saved. But preacher, I'm, I'm hurting. Pastor, I feel alone. I'm tired of the darkness. This morning I invite you, would you come? Lay your care, lay your burden, pour your heart out on the altar. And ask God to work in your heart as we sing. If you would, stand with us this morning. If God is speaking to your heart, the invitation's open. If you want to come, feel free to come and pray.